Welcome to another episode of There's Just Too Much, the podcast that celebrates and commiserates in our ridiculously overabundant world. And last week we talked with uh, Derek Harris about there being too much artificial intelligence and whether that would take over the planet. But you can't have a robot uprising without robots. So that's why I've asked our guest to come on today. She is Sina Brewster, and she writes about robots, drones, virtual reality, and many, many more technology topics for fantastic publications like uh, the MIT Technology Review, Wired, Fortune, uh, TechCrunch, and so much more. Sina, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So let's just, the question we'll start off with, are there too many robots? Uh, no, obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> How Look do you around mean? your house. I bet you have some robots in your house. Have like you ever thought about your dishwasher? Do you think that's a robot? Um, well, it hasn't tried to stab me. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. No, I would not put my ro- my dishwasher as a robot. So that's kind of what you have to think about. If it's something that automates something, then eventually it just becomes part of the background. So you already have robots in your house and probably in the future, you'll stop thinking of future robots as robots because they'll just become second nature to have. Uh, so the invasion has already started. Yes. <laughs> well, I think that's a that's a really good point, a really good question, because, you know, when I was a kid, when I thought of a robot, uh, it had two arms, two legs, a head and a torso, and it was very much human-like. And what should people visualize now when they think of a robot? So the media has told us that exact same image. It's supposed to walk around and talk like us. But the truth is it's actually really hard to build a robot that can navigate our world and do a bunch of different tasks and these days it's a lot more common for a robot to have a very specific task that it does very well Um, and it's going to be that way for a while so um, think of boxes that make cocktails or a stationary torso that can pick something up off a table maybe it's just an arm that can reach across the table and do one task it they take all different forms, and it probably isn't going to look just like you or me quite yet. So think less of, um, I'm trying to think, like Rosie the Robot from the Jetsons, which did everything, right? And more just like a bunch of distributed little unitasking machines. Yep. Have you ever seen uh, footage from the DARPA Robotics Challenge? It's kind of a exercise and having different research labs make humanoid robots uh no is that the one where they set it to benny hill music <laughs> and they it's like they're drunk <laughs> yeah that's exactly it that you know they're trying to get in a car and it's taking them 10 minutes to step up into the car and then eventually they just fall over backwards and it looks ridiculous so that's kind of where we're at with the humanoid thing so okay so, all right so that's where we're at with humanoid robots in your reporting Uh, What are some of the exciting things happening with robots right now? Well, it sounds like you covered AI last week, which they're pretty closely related. But I would say the big trend that's happening right now is robots are becoming really safe to work with. Um, It used to be that they had to live in a cage in a big warehouse and, you know, maybe they would work alongside a person, but there would be a fence between them because they're metal and scary and way, way more than a human. But these days, uh, a researcher can, you know, have one at their workbench and have the robot do menial tasks. Or um, I think I was at um, like a brewery 
and you could see a robot moving kegs in the back room. Uh, lots of these kind of basic labor tasks are really easy to give a robot because they're repetitive or they're heavy, and those are things that robots are really good at. But the interesting jump now is going to be in the artificial intelligence space, um, a robot that can take a voice command and do something instead of being programmed, or a lot of robots these days, uh, to program them, you just have to move their arm with the motion that you want them to do instead of having it be complicated. So it's getting to the point where pretty much anyone can work with a robot and teach it what to do. Let's let's stay on that for a second. So kind of the artificial intelligence is like the peanut butter to the robot chocolate, right? <laughs> it, it helps, a, you know, the two working together create something different. What, talk to me a little bit. I know you, you kind of, you just talked a little bit about it where a robot can, where you can teach it by moving it. But what is the role of artificial intelligence in robotics? Can you have a robotics company without artificial intelligence right now? I think that brings us back to the really repetitive task robots. So, I mean, in a car assembly plant, if a robot is just lifting up a car door and attaching it to a car, that's not really artificial intelligence. That's just programming it to do one thing over and over again. But artificial intelligence comes in when you want the robot to interact with humans in a real way. And I think that's what most people are going to think of when they think of a robot, something that can autonomously make a decision and um, do something about it. So um, that is totally important to modern day robots. That's the only thing that's going to push forward what we can do with them. I saw in, in researching for this uh, talk, I saw two articles that came out this week, one being about robots being able to teach other robots and the other being that a robot can go, I'm confused, I need help. What are these, how are these advancements, are they particularly important? And if they are, how? A big question is how we make robots that can behave like humans, because that in the end is what will help anyone in the world be able to interact with a robot and kind of know what to expect from a robot. And both of these cases um, really play into that. How do you teach a robot something without having to program it? Or how do you help a robot find the answers it needs, you know, while still being a robot, it's not truly human, but you can give it kind of that, that ability to reason out an answer. Um, so both of those are important because they bring robots closer to being human. Is, is that the goal? Like, do we want robots to be more human or do we want them to be better than human or do we want them to be their own thing? When we make a robot more human, pretty much the task is making it more relatable. So helping people understand kind of what to expect from the robot. Um, Cause we, when we're talking to people, for example, we make eye contact, we kind of know what they're gonna do in response to what we're saying or asking. And whenever a robot is interacting with a human, despite it looking like a robot, people kind of expect it to act like a human or that's kind of, that's just kind of the only way they know how to interact with something. So the more a robot can play into our expectations for how another human would act, the more it will improve our relationship with robots, um, if that makes sense. And a lot of people will argue that um, you don't need a robot to look like a human for people to expect it to act human. And it also might be unethical for a robot to look just like a human and almost like trick us into thinking it's human. Um, and then 
The other question was, should a robot be better than a human? And I think that's the whole point of having robots. We want them to augment what we're able to do. So I say, yeah, we should push it as far as we can, as far as them lifting things, reasoning things. Um, as you mentioned, there, there is that concern that if robots take our jobs or are smarter than us, what happens to humans? I think that's a very real question. But why do we have robots at all if we're not pushing them to do as much as they can? I want to get back to that in, in a second. But I think if, if I can draw sort of a parallel. So we have uh, an echo in our house. And it's really interesting to think about how when you talk about the how you interact with a robot versus how you act with someone else, you know, it's real. I've always felt that the echo should have a polite mode where you have to say please and thank you instead of just barking a command at it. Uh, and so it's just interesting to think about how that would translate as robots not necessarily became more humanoid, but became more part of our life, how you interact with them and then how that would in turn interact, you know, influence a generation growing up that would be like, like I worry about my son just like barking orders at a robot and getting an answer, you know, barking at the echo and getting an answer. Um, but is it too weird to say, well, you, you know, make sure you say please when you talk to the echo, just because I want that sort of foundational interaction. Do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Do you, I mean, do you feel like, because your Echo has a name, right, Alexa, do you feel... You're not supposed like... to say it now, everybody's went off. <laughs> Just kidding. Only Stacey's. <laughs> do you, I mean, do you feel like you ascribe it more abilities than it actually has or more personality than it actually has? Or what? It, what is it that makes you feel like your son should say please and thank you to it? Uh, mostly just because he's so young at this point that I think it's, you know, what I always try to tell him is every no should be followed by a thank you and every yes should be followed by a please. And anytime you ask for something, it should be done in a polite manner. Please, you know, can I have this please or whatever? But, you know, the, when you're interacting with a human, there's sort of a built-in sort of social contract about that. Well, this person didn't say, please, I'm either... I, you know, the recipient is not as happy about that sort of request, whereas a robot doesn't have that or some kind of artificial intelligence. So if if these sort of agents, whether they're robots or artificial intelligence, plays a higher or a combination of the two, play an increasing role in where he gets his information, because he's so young, how does that affect his just his his querying capabilities on a whole? Sure. So eventually he'll be jumping back and forth between talking to robots and people pretty often. And it's better if he doesn't get confused and start treating people like robots. Right. Or just have that sort of muscle memory, right? Like, Oh, I'm just used to barking an order and getting it done. Yeah. That makes sense. So, I don't know. I, I think someone his age, they'll probably be pretty used to that, that divide, right? They'll think there's a difference between humans and robots. Yeah. I guess I'm just sort of thinking out further uh, especially, what do you think are the limits of robotics? I mean, I don't mean to get too, uh, well, no, I do. Just in your, because you write about this a lot and you're you're seeing kind of what's on the horizon that a lot of other people don't know. Actually, I'm going to stop and take a step back. What are some of the cool things that you are seeing right now? What are some cool startups and what are they doing with robots? Sure. Other than uh, lifting kegs. <laughs> I think the biggest thing that is about to step into our eye is our delivery robots. Um, in Wisconsin, the legislature just passed a bill that would allow 
robots to, you know, deliver items on the streets, just on the public streets. And that makes perfect sense for something that will be delivered next because, um, obviously everyone knows about self-driving cars and those being where they are means that, um, basically robots can see well enough in the real world to be around people and navigate a sidewalk and stuff like that. So delivery robots are really good kind of first step as we, you know, travel toward self-driving cars. Um, so that's something that everyone is about to see. Um, drones are a form of robots and have obviously exploded. Um, and those might play a step in delivery. Uh, yeah, because you could, I mean, you could combine all three, right? There's a, a UPS truck or a UPS van is loaded with, you know, robots. It's like something out of the old movie Megaforce. The van opens up and then drones are delivering stuff out of the top and the robots, you know, wheeled robots are coming out from the ramps and, you know, doing all those, you know, heavy lifting or delivery of packages. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the future we were hoping for, right? That feels a little bit more... <laughs> sci-fi than everything else we've been seeing um but yeah definitely the there's a really interesting combination happening right now between all those spaces and um it's going to lead to some robots that we really do see in our everyday lives uh um you've probably heard of those uh police robots by nightscope that they've been in silicon valley a lot either policing campuses or uh parking garages it's not like they have a gun or anything but they'll go around and look for suspicious people and send video footage of it back. Um, so there's really these kind of rolly robots that are entering our lives. Um, the other space that is kind of interesting to watch right now is the home, home robotic space. And that hasn't exactly taken off as much as I think a lot of people hoped, but there's a cool robot coming up called Curry that can roll around your house and basically he's uh he can take video footage if you're away from home so either you're worried someone is entering your home who's unauthorized or maybe you want to just like spy on your pets or something um but while you're home you can kind of interact with curry and curry has uh different facial expressions that make him look really cute and personable and he's just a really good example of a robot that can't actually do a ton of things, but uh, he has a personality and makes you want to interact with him and uh, kind of becomes more of a companion robot than a super functional robot. Interesting. You know, I think about, you know, the Roomba has been around forever. And uh, I, to your point that maybe it hasn't taken off, those things haven't taken off as much. I think it's just sort of like based on the architecture of houses. Like I think a Roomba would be great, but I have a step, you know, that with a sunken room. So the room uh, would only be able to go so far and then it would be, well, it can't go any further. Right. You can have a really functional robot that has some really basic obstacle that it just can't overcome. <laughs> and that that's definitely a factor in pretty much all areas of robots right now. Um, I, one other really interesting area that is totally exploding is just the warehouse robot. Amazon just, you know, has been putting out a call for people to develop new robots that could help it in its warehouses. Um, there's a company I really like called Fetch, and they build one robot that can pick items off of shelves and another robot that basically just will hold a box on its back and then transport that box of items 
uh, to, you know, the worker who is boxing them up to be shipped or whatever. And it's just super functional, really effective and, you know, getting rid of a job that probably people aren't as excited about. Um, and they're cheap enough that, you know, a small business could have one in their back stock room or something like that. Yeah. And it's also like the type of job where it's, you're probably more injury prone, uh, from lifting objects and repetitive motion. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not great that people will lose their jobs, but at the same time, you know, what other opportunities can that open up hopefully for people in other areas? Exactly. It, it feels like it's creating a job for someone to build a robot and then taking away <laughs> those warehouse jobs. So, which right now it's, it's not widespread enough that it's an issue, but it is true that automation is kind of the driving factor in right now and creating, you know, unemployment and inequality. So it's something to be aware of and watch. Yeah. Uh, on a, on a lighter note. So when you're watching movies, do you ever think like, Oh my gosh, they've got robots so wrong. Or have you think, I mean, can, can you consider an instance where they actually got it right? I definitely see <laughs> Hollywood's robots are a lot more fun than real world robots. Uh, so I, I never really am bothered by them. You know, the Terminator is always going to be a fun movie and, um, I'm trying to think of something where they got it right. Um, I just watched, um, oh my gosh, Passengers, that mm -hmm. movie. And I think that's a good one where they show a huge mix of what types of robots there will be. So there's robots, you know, patrolling the ship to clean and all they're doing is cleaning up after people. Uh, there's the bartender robot who's a companion, but also just performing a service. Um, you know, it's just that that is a very realistic look at the ecosystem of robots that we'll have. And there's not going to be one robot. There's not there's no, you know, house helper robot who goes around and folds your laundry and does your dishes. Um, it's more likely that we'll have many different robots doing many different tasks and then they kind of fade into the background. Um, so that I think that movie did a really good job. You've mentioned companionship a couple of times. What do you think the role of robots is for companionship for people, whether they're lonely or elderly or for whatever reason? Yeah, my uh, my mom has a Roomba, and she totally talks to her Roomba and obviously is not getting much back from <laughs> the robot. But, you know, it's it's just it feels like it has a presence, and it's almost like having a pet. Um, just a being that's there and will listen to you and just kind of sit in the room with you. Um, obviously they can build robots that have more, <laughs> that give back more than a Roomba, but, um, it's, it's doesn't take a lot for people to feel like they have a relationship with something or that something a robot has emotions and feelings. So, um, it's just, I would call it like a pet, just another another being that can be there with you. Do you think that they have the capability for more, or I, let me rephrase that. How far on the horizon do you think we'll see like more complex companionship, whether like I, you know, I think of people like elderly people who maybe are in a home or living alone or something like that. And, and I'm not thinking of Rosie, the robot or data or something like that, but just to your point, if your mom's made a connection with the Roomba, however, 
superficial or whatever it might be or fun or silly, you know, how far out do you think that robots could actually provide real companionship for people, even if it's just, you know, being an object that listens and maybe responds with some basic answers or, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's complex because, um, there, so there, there has been, this is probably more on the artificial intelligence side, but there is a lot of work into building a robot that can talk to people, um, whether that's through your internet browser or actually has a face on a, you know, metal robot that can roll around or something. But, um, it's really hard to build a robot brain that can have a totally human conversation and they're getting better at it, but, um, it still feels like it's, you know, at least a decade away that we would have something that feels convincing enough to have a conversation without you feeling awkward every once in a while when the robot messes up. But I mean, I think the focus right now is just on building a robot that almost um, kind of hacks our human need to find a way to connect. So Curry, for example, that little home robot, um, he knows how to have eye expressions that make him look cute or sad. Um, he ha- makes little beeps and boops <laughs> that kind of convey emotion. Um, and that that's kind of enough for a companion. They don't need to be able to discuss politics with you or something like that. It It's more about feeling like the robot is responding to you and, um, you know, just kind of taking an interest in you. Yeah, I guess, I mean, an early version, I guess this an early version of that is the Tamagotchis or the toy that the kids used to carry around a long time ago. Oh, yeah, I had one of those. <laughs> yeah, and you took care of it and, you know, didn't want, I, I never had one, I was too old, but, uh, you know, something you carried around with you and took care of. Yeah, have you ever, there's a really good Radiolab episode where they're talking about um, Furbies and they have kids hold think it's like a hamster and then a furby upside down and then i think a bar a barbie or some other inanimate object and um the furby falls somewhere in the middle between the living creature and the toy for how long kids can bear to hold it upside down because furby will actually complain to them and act scared or sad um so people you know they react emotionally (laughs) even if they know that it's not real so before I let you go, just give me a sense of where we're at right now and kind of horizons for people. So what do you think is going to happen with robots? What do we start seeing happening in the next year, five years, and 10 years? I know we've talked a little bit about it. You know, we talked about like delivery robots, and I know some of that is happening in San Francisco as well. But as you're looking at this space change, where what should people be on the lookout for? Over the next year or five years, the business cases for robots are really going to kind of explode. So that's delivery drones, that's ground delivery robots, that's warehouse robots, uh, that's robots that can roll around the floor at Target and figure out what needs to be restocked. Uh, Just kind of those really basic get stuff done for businesses applications. Um, Further out, you'll start to see more actually useful robots for the home. And a lot of that will integrate into, you know, connected devices for the Internet of Things or, um, you know, it's not going to be necessarily a robot that looks like you or me walking around your house. It's going to be 
artificial intelligence built into your fridge and just other objects in your house. Um, even further out, you know, decades probably, we can have robots that talk to us and act like us and, you know, maybe help us navigate the real world and kiosks or just walking on the street. But um, yeah, the AI stuff is going to take a few more, few more decades to mature. So until then, we'll just have a, have our Roomba cuddle up on our lap. Uh, exactly. Uh, Maybe make it a, a little outfit or something like that. And, yeah. and for the best. <laughs> Invited, uh, you know, have it hop up on the bed with you as you fall asleep. <laughs> exactly. Build a little ramp. <laughs> well, Cena, this has been great. If people want to follow you or read more about the stuff you're doing, where can they find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter. Uh, my name is spelled S-I-G-N-E, and that's my handle, just at Cena. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you so much, Cena. And um, until a robot uh, becomes the host of this show, uh, this has been this, There's Just Too Much. You can find us online at TooMuchPod.com and on Twitter at TooMuchPod. Uh, sorry, at TooMuchPod. Cena, thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody, we'll be back next week. <laughs>